Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport with me, John Norman and Gareth Batty. Important debates need to be had this week. In the last seven days, a professional cricketer was sentenced to five years in prison for rape. Another found to have failed two drugs tests and accusations about the manner in which the situation was dealt with by the ECB. We need to ask whether cricket has a problem or whether it's one that just mirrors society as a whole. PCA Welfare and Development Officer Tom Jones will be with us shortly. Knowledge is everything, you know. If you've got the facts, then you know how to act appropriately. You can support others. If your circumstances change, that knowledge is still there somewhere in the back of your mind that can help you, you know, be, be as good a professional and be as good a person as you can be. We should, of course, be looking forward to the start of the international season. And you'll hear from the England captain, Owen Morgan, in an exclusive interview with Bats. Through this whole journey, we've had a squad of 18 or 19 players that have all contributed some way along the line. We've announced a provisional 15. That can be changed at the end of the Pakistan series. And after that series, we'll sit down like we do in every selection meeting and, and ask the number one question is what makes this side better can we add something can we take something away in order to best position ourselves to try and compete at the world cup Um, but it's all very exciting and positive at this stage so stay tuned for that and if you like what you hear be sure to subscribe through your favorite podcast app and stay up to date with all the weekly cricket news you're listening to following on So, Bats, uh, well, it's been a sobering week, hasn't it? On Friday, revealed that a man who once held the record for a 50-over score for England, 171 in a 50-over game, incredible, uh, against Pakistan at his home ground back in 2016, has for the second time failed a drugs test. On Monday, the ECB announced that Alex Hales would therefore miss the World Cup. And on Tuesday, an even more serious situation. The former Worcestershire player, Alex Hepburn, prisoned for five years for raping a woman. It was revealed in court that a WhatsApp group involving Hepburn and a couple of other teammates uh, 
boasted of a sexual conquest competition which the judge described as foul sexism that demeaned women and trivialised rape. Uh, Gareth, uh, not the start to the show that we've ever had before, but it's important we talk about all aspects surrounding the game we love. And uh, few have loved the game as much as you have. In 20 years, you've been in and around dressing rooms. You've spent many an evening out with the team. We can't talk and we're not going to talk about the specifics of these cases because we don't know any more than anybody else. So let's talk generally for the next uh, portion of the show. When you found out about the Alex Hepburn case and when you found out about Alex Hales and the situation surrounding his ban, um, the 21-day ban for the second uh, drugs test failing, not the people involved... But generally, were you surprised by the language in that WhatsApp group? And were you surprised that a professional cricketer could test positive for a recreational drug? Yeah, it's been a, a very sombre week for cricket. Um, we'll, st- we'll start with the testing positive. Um, surprised, no. Um, purely because it, it seems to be around society more. Uh, we've seen it with other sports people. Uh, that they've had some problems. Um, disappointed, yes. Once, I I think, you know, we're human beings, we can make mistakes, but to do it twice and then it come out, I think is very disappointing and, and, and pretty sad. Um, from an English fan, uh, when we're on the verge of what could be our greatest uh, moment in, in one-day international cricket in the World Cup this year, it's very sad that we we lose, uh, potentially, um, a match winner in Alex Hales. He's had a very difficult period, but I don't really see that as an excuse. It's um, it's just very sad, and he's got to take it on the chin, and, and hopefully it comes back bigger and better uh, after it. But um, I think at the minute... You can only feel one thing, and that's uh, you know you, you're pretty disappointed about the situation. The the other one is a it's a really difficult uh, situation to to find myself in as much as anything talking about it because uh, we all know that um, team sport it's very alpha male, particularly men teams. It's uh, it's the bravado. It's the who's the who's the biggest man in the team. Who's the man that scores the most goals, hits the most runs, takes the most wickets. It's a very much a bravado. Um, sort of situation um, it's obviously changing um, over time but it it does take time for that change and the language that has come out flippantly you may hear somebody say something flippantly in that regard but to to get it to actually think about it and process it and put it into a text is, you know, it's 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 come across incredibly badly, and it, you know, it's hurting not just the two individuals that have been done, uh, and, and you know, and rightly so, uh, it's hurting other people outside of the cricketing world, outside of the sporting world, and it's uh, it's not a look that sport wants needs, but it's it's something that has probably always rumbled away there particularly the some of the language around it and the, and the bravado that comes with team sport and being on the field and all the adulation that you get from fans and you live in your own little bubble do you think that sportsmen look at women as though they are pieces of meat i mean You've you've heard the language. You've heard the way that people speak about women. You've heard the way that people within teams, within the confines of a, a sports network, speak. And do you think there is a disconnect essentially between young, professional, rich, 
successful, testosterone-filled, with cash in the back pocket and the, and the crowd telling them that they're essentially the best thing since sliced bread. Do you think that that has led to a disconnect between men and the women that they seek to meet on an evening out? I would say no, as a general rule. But like every rule, there's, there's quite often an exception. And the reason where you can get to that is possibly the reasons that you say. You, you sometimes get above your station. You live in this little bubble and you're made to feel amazing and everything you do, you can walk on water and all these things. And now the game has um, you know, substantial more money coming into it. Um, you just feel that people find themselves in a situation uh, that is unknown to them and, and there's a, there becomes almost a, a bigger responsibility with the financials and the profile and everything that goes with and, and how do they deal with it. We've seen it in other sports that it's it happens to people very quickly and too soon and they, and they struggle to deal with that. We see it in celebrity lifestyle and I, I think it's more are we sports people, men, women, or are we celebrities and are we getting caught up in this whole nonsense that you're a celebrity you're not you're a sports person so actually you should be judged on what's on the field and once you walk off that field you're just like anybody else uh, walking around but unfortunately we are kept in that bubble we are kept away from normal life and um, it's something that we need to address and we need to deal with um, because this we can't have this rearing up just human beings cannot do this to other human beings it's not something that we want to see the two subjects are only linked in the fact that they happen in the same week and essentially they're both illegal. I mean, drug taking and the treatment of women are two very separate uh, situations, two problems, but unfortunately they're both affecting uh, cricket from from our viewpoint, or that's how we're, we're using them. Let's look at the other problem, that is of drugs. Okay, now, recreational drugs and cricket has long been whispered about to be a really big problem. And you don't have to spend too much time on the internet to look back at relatively recent cases where high-profile cricketers have fallen foul. Paul Smith, former Warwickshire all-rounder. Ed Giddens was banned for uh, 18 months. Keith Piper at Warwickshire again. Graham Wagg. Dermot Reeve as well. I mean, there's a lot of Warwickshire players there from back in the day. But it goes on. We don't know exactly what it was that Alex Hales has taken. We know it's a recreational drug. Six years ago, Tom Maynard sadly passed away through truly tragic circumstances, but it was found that he had been habitually using cocaine uh, in the months leading up to his untimely death. Only a year ago, a Durham player uh, by the name of Jack Burnham was banned for 12 months for testing positive for cocaine for the third time. In your experience as a man who's, you know, been in and around the game, have you ever been out at a party where there are cricketers? Have you ever been at the pub with cricketers? And you know there's someone in that group, whether it's acceptable or not, that is taking a recreational drug. I, I can honestly say I've not witnessed anything like that. But obviously it is happening and obviously it has happened and I think we can safely say it will continue to happen. But I can honestly say I've not, I've not seen it with my own eyes. But you've heard about it, I, I imagine. Um, you know, the, the, the situation surrounding Alex, Alex House, for instance, whatever um, he took, it now turns out that people 
had been talking about it. You know, no, you don't know anything specific about Alex Hale's situation, but have you heard whispers about certain people or certain clubs or certain, you know, groups within the game that were falling foul of this? Yeah, absolutely. The first names you mentioned was in an era, um, unfortunately, at Warwickshire where it was it was well known that uh, things were, were not quite always they seemed. You do hear the whisper of odd other players and sometimes you put two and two together and you get nine and it's completely wrong and, and other times you're not a million miles away from the mark and it's just such a very difficult situation to broach because it's illegal. First and foremost, it's illegal, so we, we shouldn't be doing that. But we all would have been at 35 miles an hour in a car in a 30 zone. We've all broken the law in that respect. This is just down to individuals, how they how they see that and, and how bad it is. And that is society that's saying it might be okay for recreational drugs in, a, in the pop world or whatever. It's not in professional sport, and this is... The thing that is the worry that, I mean, I've got toothache at the minute and I'm worried about taking ibuprofen because I'm I'm panicking about should I be taking any pills because I don't want my reputation, anything, to be tarnished with that drug thing. But I think that's from an era that I, I grew up where alcohol was the thing and everybody had pints after the game and so on and so forth. Now, we, we also know that that's probably not right um, in, in a lot of ways. So... I I think we break it down to sports people need a release and it's where you find your release and I think at the minute with society at the minute we're seeing that the release could be and is recreational drugs and I think it's something that uh, we have to be very careful of um, and we have to have more understanding of I, I'm useless, I don't genuinely have a clue about any of it but um, I'm trying my best to understand it or see signs of it and, and try not to go on gossip and rumours try and go on actual fact of how people are behaving and how you can help and so on and so forth Well, it's a good point Bats replicating the highs on the field when you step off it is a problem that I think sports people have found throughout the history of professional sport and cricket is no different from that and you know if you're substituting the high of taking a, a wicket with the last ball of the game to win a match and being roared off by 20 30,000 people there's no way of really doing that unless you do look to drink uh, gambling or other other forms of uh, of addiction I suppose and this is where rec- recreational drugs could come in and of course sex as well there's so many different topics and that we're trying desperately try and weave them together in a coherent form within the show and it's also quite painful and quite difficult to talk about uh, one man that we brought in to the discussion on the show is the uh, pca welfare and development officer tom jones who joins us now tom thanks so much for joining us on following on i mean first question really i've listed to bats the names of several high profile cricketers over the last 20 years who have fallen foul of drug testing and have uh, have been banned from the sport for different uh, periods of time. Does the sport have a problem with recreational drugs or is it just that cricket mirrors the problem that society has with recreational drugs? Oh, hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I think it's a really tough question that you ask. You look at society, society has issues, issues and challenges that, that, that we all try to try to beat over time uh, as human beings and cricketers are no different cricketers are human beings they're just in a slightly unique environment in what they do and I think you make a good point about the highs that they have on the field and, and perhaps some cricketers trying to replace those highs off the field uh, to maintain the feeling that they get uh, and that's where 
you know, a lot of our, our work comes in. You know, we want to support players. We want to educate players. We want to make sure players have got all the resources that they need to make, to make sure that they can act professionally. Uh, they can stay on the straight and narrow as such, but also, you know, uphold themselves as really, really good role models in the game. The problem, or one of the problems I imagine you face, especially in regard to drug taking, is that you are waiting for the phone call to come to you. I, I understand that you can do work to be there for people, and I understand that maybe you can tell me a little bit more about the work that the PCA does to try and head problems in regards to taking recreational drugs off before they happen. But from my own personal experience of knowing people who've taken recreational drugs, once they start taking them, there is actually very little you can do until they come to a point when they ask for help. Absolutely. I mean, it's such a complex issue when we're talking about recreational drugs. And this is not talking in sport cricket. This is just talking in society. We, we, we see ourselves as, 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 as well-resourced and we see ourselves in a good position to help players understand the pitfalls of taking recreational drugs. Uh, we've done, uh, over the last 12 months, we've done some work with Sporting Chance, uh, who've delivered a, a recreational drugs, illicit drugs and, and alcohol workshop to, to every single county cricketer. Uh, and that works ongoing. We've had, we had Tony Adams, who, who founded Sporting Chance, come round the counties, talk to the players about his story. I mean, there's no more powerful story to listen to than, than Tony's. And, you know, jaws dropped in the room when, when, when the players were listening to, to what he had to say. And I think that type of work is really important, but also the individual work that we do with players. Uh, we have six PDMs, that, personal development managers, that go around the counties and, and work individually with players. So if, if they are unsure, if they are having a tough time, rather than perhaps trying to find a release elsewhere, they can talk it through with us confidentially. Well, let, let me ask Bats a question. Of course, times have changed, but, you know, we look back at 20 years ago and think it was, you know, all the TVs were black and white and whatever, but that isn't the case. It was this century. It wasn't actually that long ago, and things really shouldn't have changed. The, the dangers and the pitfalls were around then or around now. Bats, as a 22-, 23-year-old, and you're sitting there, you've just got your first contract in the bag you're being told you are essentially the future of the club you're going to play for England you're going to become a millionaire you're going to be on TV you're going to become this that and other and the other you're suddenly a lot more popular when you go to the pub than you ever were before and a guy like Tom Jones turns up and sits you down and says right guys right Bats and all your teammates I want you to watch this I don't know this presentation I want you to read this I want you to go online I want you to be aware of these dangers. Do you and your teammates listen? It's an interesting one. Hi, Tom. Sorry, I didn't say hello before. Um, It it is a very difficult one because, uh, like we touched on before, it's a very... It's a highly filled testosterone testosterone environment. You know, blokes don't like to admit that they are slightly weak or indeficient in areas in front of other men. It's certainly... You know, that's changing and hopefully it changes more and more and more. But... You, it's still a big man that stands up in front of a, a room full of blokes and says, "No, this is this is great. I want to I want to know more about this. I want to see it." So, it's very very difficult to sell that to the players. But the fact that we are now put in front of Tom and the boys at the PCA, there is no getting away from it. You have to sign that you've been through these workshops or, or whatever you want to call them. And I don't care what anybody says. I'm an old cynical sod about a lot of things, but I sit through some of the things that Tom and the boys do now, and a, and a penny drops with me, I'm kind of like, oh, blooming heck. There's a bit of that, 
Um, when I was younger, you know, maybe I would have liked to have known that. But, you know, I, I'm a bit older. It was all sort of trial and error at my age uh, when when I was starting. And there was less profile. There was less, there was no social media. You know, it was uh, it was all about getting a snog from a girl in a club. It wasn't uh, the other things that seemed to be more prevalent nowadays. And very much so. It was a drinking culture back then. It's not, the drugs were just, it was unheard of. It was something you you would hear Escobar and, and that was it. It was not <laughs> something that was around cricket. And, and it's maybe changed a little bit because the culture has changed. Tom, let me ask you a question, a hypothetical one, but within your remit or the people that you work with at the PCA, if, say, player A was to ring you up tomorrow and say, look, I'm worried about player B at my county. I think he's got a drugs problem. What would you do from that point onwards? Well, I mean, you say it's hypothetical. That, that's that's the reality. That happens. Uh, and and that's, that's a, it's a really great example. And that's what we, we love it when that happens. Cause it means that in that particular dressing room, they're looking out for each other. So that's a, that's a great starting point. Uh, at that stage, th- there's a number of options in it. I mean, it's all individual to that to that person that's involved. We're positioned in a good place within each county to, to have confidential and in-depth conversations with players. We, you know, we, we like to think that players will come to us. We like to think that they trust our, our actions and they trust our thoughts and they trust us to, to keep things confidential. We've got, I mean, players don't have to come through us. We've got a confidential helpline that players can ring at any point, whether it's about a teammate or whether it's about themselves. They can ring a confidential helpline which will go through a, you know, a sort of world-class uh, provider in terms of dealing with addictions, dealing with mental health concerns, or anything like that. So they can do it purely confidentially if they want to. Uh, but I can also put them through in, into that system as well, where they are supported from, you know, the word go, uh, and we can we can provide, uh, you know, really top-level treatment uh, depending on what the situation is. And it's hard to give you an example of. You know the actual process that we go through because it would all depend on the individual circumstance. No, I absolutely understand uh, the points that you make. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience 
eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Let's just change tack then. Let's look at um, the, the, the treatment of women within the dressing room, be it on WhatsApp groups or just um, conversation or at the pub after a few drinks or whatever. Um, the WhatsApp groups were messaging within the players involved at Worcestershire, I think shocked a lot of people. Um, and of course, the sentence handed down after the, the guilty uh, decision was found again, forces us to ask questions. And, and it's this, for me, does professional sport, because I don't think cricket is any different from any other professional sport, but this is the one we are connected to. Is this an area that the PCA also get involved in, uh, in terms of making sure that these young men understand their responsibilities to the greater public? And, and in this regard, women. I mean, yeah, it comes, I mean, it comes under the same circumstances uh, what we talked about with, with the recreational drugs. This, again, it's a society issue. Uh, it's, it's attitudes of men. And, and this is, you know, we, we've got to make sure that our players know their responsibilities as cricketers. They know how to be good people. And a lot of our job comes down to that. How do we make these players good people so that they're representing the game in the most positive way, but also looking after themselves? Lads have made mistakes. Players, uh, you know, in the past, they will do in the future. We've got to be there to make sure that we minimise the chance of those mistakes happening, but also support when those when things do go wrong a little bit. I mean, what we've been doing over the eight, last eighteen months is working with a company called Line Culture to deliver some some consent workshops, which which help players understand what consent means. You know, a lot of it is common sense, but it just reiterate reiterates some of the really key messages uh, and the law as such. You know, let's give give the players the information to help them make decisions. And Bats is absolutely right. Maybe 20 years ago, lads were going out on a Friday, Saturday night and having a few beers after, after cricket and going about their business however they, they choose. But society's different and we've got to keep up with where society is. With regards to attitudes to women, it's not a difficult outcome to try and achieve. We know that we want to give the players the right information around that subject. So that's why we've done, again, got, got the experts around the counties we were in with the World Cup squad yesterday uh, doing some stuff and, and lads were it's powerful they were appreciative of the information that they've been given and it's linked into social media it's linked into image sharing and we've been doing that for, 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 for some time these things take quite a lot of planning we need to make sure that the message is right it's the right messages and that it doesn't go in one ear, in one ear and out the other we've got to make sure that it sits well with the players we've got to make sure the players understand and we've got to make sure that they know the consequences as well you, you you say how things are different uh, 20 years ago to what they are now. I'm not sure I totally agree, but I do see the point that you're making. What um, In regard to the, the, the pub culture then, uh, maybe more of a, a bar culture now, but you know this is what the point I was making. 20 years ago wasn't actually that long ago, and when you look at the likes of Paul Smith and Ed Giddings, Ed Giddings and Keith Piper, this, was all, this all happened 20 years ago, 15 to 20 years ago. So 
but there is a ma- massive difference and you just highlighted it there and it's how we communicate uh, and how we communicate now is very much through the medium of social media isn't it it's taking photos it's taking videos it's sharing them around a group now when you talk about such things around a group as soon as it's it's been spoken about it disappears never to be seen again but of course as soon as you write something down or you photograph something or you video it and you share it it is there forever is that a specific problem which the pca have flagged up within cricket circles I mean, we, we, we never stop banging the drum about social media. Social media evolves literally month on month. And there'll be a new platform out, you know, when, probably when we finish this conversation today. And we have to keep on top of that. We have to work out how our young players that are coming into the game are interacting. You know, how are they doing it? What platforms are they doing it on? What social media networks are they doing it on? What's the dangers? So we've, we've got to keep learning. We've got to stay on top of it. But we certainly keep banging the drum. You know, again, probably three, four times a year in different meetings, we will sit in front of the players and we'll say, look, lads, this is your red flag for our social media. Uh, you know, whether it's Snapchat, whether it's Instagram, whether it's, whether it's WhatsApp, we, we find different methods of, of communicating with the players to make sure that they have constantly got that little thought in the back of their mind, am I using this in the most appropriate way? And one of the strap lines that, that we've used with the players a few times is, look, if somebody took your phone off you now, if a parent took it off you, the police took it off you, uh, if your grandma took it off you, what would you think? And, and that's a bit of a sort of throwaway casual comment, but it just makes players think a little bit. It makes them, just reminds them that it's their responsibility. Mm. You know, that the way they communicate is their responsibility. And that's not saying that 20 years ago, people were, you know, everything was fine. But this is where we're at now. And we've got to meet the issues where they're at now. I must admit, Tom, a couple of the workshops I've been sat in them thinking, what am I doing in them? An old dinosaur, you know, the, the, the <laughs> word that you used. But I'm sat in there and I'm and stuff's coming out and they're talking about the social media. It's something I don't do. And a lot of them, are, and I'm sort of, I'm absolutely bamboozled by it. So I don't think it's just the young players. I think, I think everybody has to have an understanding. And I think it's absolutely right uh, that even the old dinosaurs are dragged into these meetings because... The amount of knowledge that can be passed on, and it may sound simple, but um, I think it's such a, a massive thing that maybe the old dinosaur like me might spot something in a youngster or just give a youngster a bit of, bit more of a heads up that, uh, that, that they might be crossing over a line that might be uh, a, a dangerous place to be. Oh, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I love that because peer support is the best support you can get in a lot of ways. If you, if you can turn around to a player in the dressing room and say, I saw what you put on that WhatsApp or I saw your image on Instagram, it's not appropriate, then that's going to hammer home. You know, I won't describe you as a, as a dinosaur, bats, but you, you've been around, <laughs> you've been around the circuit and you know, you know, you've got the experience and therefore, if you can help younger players, then absolutely brilliant. But you also don't know when circumstances, people's circumstances are going to change. So there's a lot of players, newly married, starting to start families, and they might say, well, you know, it might have been relevant to me five years ago, but it's not anymore. It absolutely is. Knowledge is everything. You know, if you've got the facts, then you know how to act appropriately. You can support others. If your circumstances change, that knowledge is still there somewhere in the back of your mind that can help you, you know, be, be as good a professional, be as good a person as you can be. Tom, I really appreciate your time. It's been great having you on the show. Um, and thanks for, uh, yeah, thanks for answering some pretty... Uh, 
pretty tough questions and no, no doubt uh, yeah we'll uh, our paths will cross it in happier times I'm sure cheers Tom Guys. Tom Jones there for the PCA. That was, uh, well, it, it is difficult. It's difficult to talk about, but it's important to talk about. Uh, and actually, the, the point you make right at the end there, I mean, is that not something that all cricket cl- counties should look to do? Should they not have, you know, like in, in the workplace, you've got a health and safety officer, you know, or if, if the fire alarm goes off, there's someone who's going to put on a yellow bib and lead you out the building. You know, if you were to have one player in the county who is, you know, seen as a se- well, a senior pro, and they are the PCA res- representative. They are the person who is essentially, they're told, keep an eye out for the team, and you're the person, it might not make you the most popular person at times, and you may find that little clique of forming amongst the younger guard who kind of stop talking when you walk into the room, but then it's down to the individual to make sure that they... They work in and around that. I mean, that could actually be something that works. Yeah, the PCA do have representatives at every club. So each club will have a senior player. player. Yeah, it's a player. So Um, who is it? Sorry, is it you? uh, Stuart Meeker. And it's it's literally information from the PCA gets fed through him and then he'll feed it onto the playing staff. More often than not, it's talking about the 100 ball or, or whatever. It's not always about these sort of issues. These are quite personal. These are normally dealt with uh, in a workshop at the start of a season. And I suppose it's very difficult within a county season to find time to then put it in throughout the season. But that's actually where it's needed most when you when you're getting closer to that line. When you're you, you know you everything's a bit lower, your energy's a bit lower. You you're starting to make poor decisions on your diet and whether you have a an extra drink or whether you stay up late and watch that extra episode of whatever box set you're watching when really at the start of the season everybody's tucked up in bed at nine o'clock ten o'clock whatever it is you want your full nine hours you want to be up bright and breezy in the morning you want to take the world by storm this year it's actually when you're starting to dip a little bit fatigue sets in that's when you actually need this sort of thing probably and also i mean Stuart meeker is he's done stuff with talk sport too i mean he's a player that he took a couple of wickets this week actually but Stuart meeker isn't playing in the first team and he's playing in the second team, but he's not. He's not in the dressing room. Yep. Surely you need somebody who's going to be in the dressing room. It, it's again, it doesn't quite work in that regard. Obviously, at the start of the season, you don't know who is going to be in the dressing room at the end of it. But still, I don't know. I wonder. I wonder whether there's something there. It's it's a really difficult fix, and I suppose at my age, when I'm thinking about when I retire from playing, and I'm thinking about being a coach, you think about this sort of thing over and over again. Because basically a good coach is a good parent and a good parent is a parent that knows what's going on. So it's basically understanding what... And and Tom hit the nail on the head. Social media changes in a heartbeat. It's so quick and fast-moving. So you've got to be on the ball. You've got to be up to date with things or else a lot of stuff will go through the net. And I think that is what potentially... We are starting to see more in professional sport, not just cricket. Okay, well, look, uh, coming to the end of the show, but we we have got to talk about some cricket. And you had a a sit-down with Owen Morgan, the England captain, earlier this week. So let's hear what he had to say. Morgs, thanks so much for joining us. Um, We'll get to the World Cup in a minute. Um, It's been a pretty good winter for you personally. Played some beautiful cricket. Um, How are you feeling sort of hitting the ball, positions you're getting in? Looks pretty sweet from up in the commentary box. Yeah, it's been a really... Interesting winter, really. Um, Sri Lanka and the West Indies, two potentially tricky tours away from home. Uh, One of the areas we pinpointed over the last three or so years and that we really wanted to improve our game on was playing away from home. 
and particularly because of the nature of the different types of pitches that we would play on uh, that we're not exposed to at home very often to try and expand their game playing on slower wickets uh, it really has been satisfying the, the form that I've managed to hit and the form that the team has been in and I think probably pinpointing our, our biggest challenge to the winter was, was the West Indies uh, an extremely tough tour um, against very good opposition who pose completely different threats to some of the other sides around the world but a really good challenge more so for our bowlers um, you know asking a lot of questions about how they can bowl on really really good wickets and learning a lot more about our batters how they cope with the pressure of having to constantly post high totals so as a whole I think it's gone really well we'll get to the World Cup in a second it's been an amazing two, three years building towards this number one in the world. Amazing achievement. Does that add more pressure going into a World Cup or is that a nice place to be? I think it's a really good place to be. Uh, I've played in a few World Cups now and we certainly haven't been in this sort of position before. And I think we're in this position through hard work, dedication and you know a lot of determination at the back of it. We are a side that's, that's extremely driven to continue to learn and get better as a side, which is a great attribute. Um, we, we haven't seen any change since we've become number one in the world. And with the lead into this summer and the World Cup looming, it uh, creates a huge opportunity for us to do, you know, something special, which might be, you know, create an opportunity where wherever it might be down the line to um, to not only entertain but to, to play some good cricket in front of our home fans your positive nature as a player as a person but also your experiences from traveling the world in these different competitions is that something that held you in great stead I mean even you've, you've brought together a bunch of lads and they play brilliant cricket is that something that you would pinpoint and say this was actually a massive part of the development of the team and you as as, as best captain England have ever had yeah I I think it has been. The, I think the headspace the guys are in is, is an extremely positive one, uh, which means you're on the front foot for any plan that you put together and any plan that the team is really going to take on. So I personally think being in that mindset with a positive attitude means that a, a bad plan can still work at any given stage. So uh, the guys have bought into everything that we've tried to do. They've committed 100% to the way that we want to play. It's actually created a really strong identity with the nature in which we go about it. And the support we've had from our fans over the last three and a half years has been truly remarkable. Uh, I think that they can relate to the way in which we play. And I think it, it's entertaining. We go out and, and, and give it our all for 100 overs in a game. And if it doesn't work out, you know, we weren't good enough to win it. But certainly the way in which we go about it, everybody enjoys it within the team and hopefully people watching do as well. And finally, World Cup, the provisional 15 has been announced. Um, there's a few little niggles kicking around and so on and so forth. Is that just all part of the, the build-up of the World Cup and people making sure they don't miss it? Um, anything, any concerns at all? No, at the moment, as we sit here now, there's no major concerns. Um, like I said, through this whole journey, we've had a squad of 18 or 19 players that have all contributed some way along the line. We've announced a provisional 15. That can be changed at the end of the Pakistan series. And 
after that series we'll sit down like we do in every selection meeting and, and ask the number one question is what makes this side better can we add something can we take something away in order to best position ourselves to try and compete at the World Cup but it's all very exciting and positive at this stage. Owen Morgan, in conversation with Gareth Batty, the uh, Michael Parkinson, eh? <laughs> Your morning more call last week. Owen Morgan, this. I look forward to next week's show. Look, it was, it was fascinating to hear what he had to say. You know, they really targeted overseas wins. You know, I was thinking that from a, from a Surrey perspective, you know, when you reach a level of success, let's say Surrey win the championship last year, right? Do you sit down the, at the end of that season or the start of the next and you identify where you want to go, right? Yep. So I imagine Rory and yourself and everyone was like, right, well, we won the championship last year. So this year, we want to do better in white ball cricket. Is that how it goes? Well, let's hope not, because we've had a shocker in the one-day cup. Well, we haven't but... done, but all T20. Because but... for me, the point, the point I'm quite labouring about is to get that championship, for England to get to number one in the world, required a lot of work and a lot of attention, a lot of, dedication do you not almost take the attention away from what got you to that first success like so did was Surrey are the Surrey in danger of moving putting their attention on T20 cricket and they'll they'll just take away a little bit from the championship and therefore they'll lose that basically is that the, is that not the risk with England as well there's a little bit of that isn't there because I think it was Strauss about three years ago um, said he stole out to say he wants England to be number one in, in one day cricket and we were the best test team I think at present and roles have flipped a little bit we're sort of sitting not mid-table but we're sort of below yeah. the top three now test cricket but we're sitting at number one in, in white ball cricket uh, there is an amount of that if you've got the same personnel for both now if you've got separate personnel for white ball and red ball and there's a few crossover if you're starting, say, a test match and then you go over to the one days, it's the guy's job in the one day team to add all this fresh energy, add all the fresh impetus into that team. Because the test boys have come from a, a red ball game into the white ball to refresh them, to get them back in that uh, mindset. And I think that is a very difficult process to get to. Obviously, it takes a huge amount of mental work as well as physical. We're starting to see a little bit of the physical with injuries around the England boys, which is, is a bit of a concern. Mm. And it was quite early in the week I spoke to Morg, so there has been a couple more injury doubts since and so on and so forth. But he did seem very calm about things. He did seem very assured. He knew uh, what route they had been taking. He knew what route he was taking them on. And I think that's the beauty of having two captains. You've got the, the white ball captain and the red ball captain. I think it freshens things up. So from that respect, I think England are in a good place. It is very, very difficult to be number one at, well, in all three competitions. But let, let's say it's white ball and red ball. Let's break it down to two. Very, very difficult. Uh, you mentioned some of the injury concerns. Obviously, Alex Howes is not going to be part of the World Cup squad. That's a massive, massive blow. Let's forget everything else. That is such a blow for England. And Jason Roy has not played a lot of cricket. There is, well, let us, I mean, you, you tell me, is there, what is the latest with his injury? Yeah, I don't think we got fully to the bottom of it. It's obviously back spasm stroke, uh, disc stroke. We, they're just trying to get on top of it. But you lob into the mix that Hales isn't going to be there now. That's why England was so very good getting to number one because if they lost a bowler, a batter, a wicketkeeper, they just had an abundance of players sitting on the sidelines where you were thinking, blimey neck, this bloke was England's highest individual run scorer. 
um, six months ago. Now he can't even get in the team. That's why they got to number one. Amazing, amazing squad. That squad is becoming thinner. It's being tested. And, and it is getting tested. And Wokes as well. I mean, there's real, there's a fear that he, he may not be able to play all the games in the World Cup. Is they've been uh, they seem to have a problem with him that's been there for quite some time. Yeah, I, I think reading between the lines and not breaking confidence, um, it's something they've been managing for a little while. Uh, they had a period of time to try and jump on it and get on top of it. Let's hope that that has been the case and and it, it's worked. But um, he's had a pretty difficult schedule leading up to the World Cup. Uh, they tried to rest him a little bit in the Caribbean, so it's, they've been very mindful of it. And he's such a massive, massive weapon for us in English conditions. Um, it's um, it's a difficult time managing those injuries. But uh, Chater mentioned it, mentioned it last week. I sort of asked about the Indian boys in the IPL and how well had they gone. And basically, nobody wants to get injured. Nobody wants to particularly be playing domestic cricket before a World Cup just with that at the back of the mind I might just pick up a broken finger from nowhere or or a hamstring or whatever so don't read too much into it um, but we definitely need these guys um, firing and, and on the park Brilliant stuff Bats, uh, back next week you've got a couple of 50 over games coming up um, Kent I think Kent tomorrow uh, on Thursday sorry um, and uh, then I think our last game is at uh, Taunton, but we're very much uh, mm, that's it. Yeah, we're done and we we were done and dusted a few games ago. We've been um, unfortunately pretty poor in this comp, and other teams have been very good. Hampshire have absolutely come out of the blocks this season, absolutely roaring. Somerset themselves have been quite magnificent in all formats, um, and other teams have had sprinklings of brilliance without putting it in a in a long stretch. And we've not been anywhere near, unfortunately. Yeah, busy week for England as well. We've got a fifty-over game uh, against Ireland, and then the Pakistan series starts on Sunday. You can follow that throughout on Talks sport and talk sport too uh, but that's uh, pretty much it for following on this week uh, to never miss an episode be sure to subscribe either on apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app uh, see you next week the following on podcast is proudly sponsored by barbados tourism and this is your gentle reminder that barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today.